0: Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Erev Tov Lekulam. Welcome to another edition of our Monday night class, where we are studying The Amidah, we're so happy you can join us here live, online, or listening on the podcast, Finding Holiness on the recording, wherever you hear your podcast, Apple, Spotify, we're here ready to spread Torah because holiness matters and we're happy you can join us. We are in the midst of a rather long series on the Amidah. Today we are going to begin part one of two. On the seventh Beracha of the Amidah, based on the wonderful insights by Rabbi Zev left on his Sefer called the Shemona Esrei. The seventh Beracha of the Shemona Esrei is the Beracha of Geula, the Beracha of Redemption. Contrary to what many people think or perceive that this Beracha is speaking about, it is not so much the final redemption that we are praying for, although there are hints to that. But this is more about, as we're going to see, a personal redemption over the struggles and difficulties that a person has in his life. After we've prayed to Akados Baruch Hu, with regards to Teshuvah, with regards to selichah, which we spoke about in the previous <clears throat> in the previous classes, we are now asking God to help us with our constant struggle against the Yetzir Hara. And it is this idea, how the Yetzir Hara constantly renews and strengthens himself uh, daily. And if it wasn't for the Constant help of Hakados Paruchu and his assistance, we could not overcome it, says the Gemaran Masechet Sukkah. So, this Beracha, Rashi explaining in Masechet Megillah, is not so much in regards to the full scale redemption of the world, but rather the personal redemption from our own trials and our own tribulations and our own challenges and struggles against the Yetzirah. <clears throat> That's why our Ashkenazi brothers who pray Dusach Ashkenaz they don't have the words Geulah shelema, the final redemption, in the text of the seventh blessing. Because the blessing is not a blessing requesting a full universal redemption, but rather it is one where, like we said, it's an individual redemption. So now, what about we sefaradim? We we do have the words geulah Shlema. We ask our Kadosh for a for a, a f- complete redemption. We have to explain <clears throat> that it connotes a, again a perfect individual Geula, not the culmination of the final uh, Geula. Um, <clears throat> the the Chachamim want to explain that before there can be a physical universal Geula. There must be also a personal spiritual redemption. And the two are very much related. Every Jew wants to do what's right in Hashem's eyes. The Yetzirah, however, has uh, different plans. He tries to trick us. He is the yeast in the dough. The influence is what what causes a person to think and do things that are not (coughs) according to Hashem's will. Um, As long as a person is insensitive to the fact that he is subjugated to his ta'avot, to his desires and behaviors, then re- redemption is impossible. Only when a person actually becomes aware that there is a yetzara and that that inclination is trying to sway us from the proper path, the path of the just, the path of righteousness, then, <clears throat> then we are able to receive HaKadosh Baruch Hu's help in redeeming those abilities, those capabilities, those talents, which we're going to speak about as we go along today. Um, this is actually highlighted um, in one of the Pesukim. It's hinted in one of the Pesukim. etchem mitachat The pasuk in Sefer Shemot writes, I will take you out from under the oppression of Egypt, says the famous Chidusha Arim, that this verse implies that HaKadosh Baruch will remove us remove from us the ability to tolerate suffering in Egypt when a person is really suffering with his body and with his spirit then what ends up happening is that he tends to get used to that status he tends to familiarize himself to the to his plight and it's and it's only when a person feels a subjugation when he uh, and he and, and appreciates that that situation cannot be tolerated, that's when he's on the road to geula. If a person can no, can no longer tolerate what he's going through at that moment, that's when he can redeem himself. Um, this is one of the reasons why this beracha is actually the seventh blessing, uh, which hints that Mashiach will come at the end of a seven-year cycle of world events culminating the Shemitah year, which we are experiencing right now, the year 5782, the sabbatical year. And the redemption will come at the conclusion of the Shemitah. Why that? Because the Shemitah reminds the person, reminds a Jew, that he is totally dependent on God, and that it's Hashem who sustains him. As a result, he has to be totally subjugated to Akados Baruch Hu. The Shemitah is what arouses one to the negative aspects of, of shibud malchuyot, the fact that we are subjugated amongst the kingdoms, amongst foreign powers, both physically, both culturally, both socially and emotionally as well. So the the man's personal redemption from the Yetzirah, which that which that inclination is what suppresses our growth and development, that ability to out, out outdo. And overcome the Yetzirah is initiated by that idea and recognition that these true desires are being suppressed. When we are able to remove the negative influences of the yetzerah and the oppression of the nation, then we are truly alive. Actually, like I mentioned, the Nusach Ashkenaz, there are 18 words in this berachan Nusach Ashkenaz, the numerical value of the word Chai, which is, which is life. We only have true life, when we can honestly, wholeheartedly express our real desires and aspirations in Avodat Hashem and cleaving to God, who is the source of all life. And then we will merit the coming of the Mashiach and the ultimate redemption. Let's go a little bit deeper. Rabbi Lef has some fascinating chidushim uh, on this Beracha. And again, this is only part one of two. We hope you can join us next time for the second part. Um, he mentions that the Midrash writes, quotes the Midrash, that it's in the merit of all the names of the Shevatim that, um, that all tz- tz- tzvaot, all the hosts of heaven and earth, exist. On, in merit of the names of the Shevatim. What is in a name? What is a name? The holy books tell us that the name of a person or an object represents his essence his unique capabilities and his talents, and his abilities to perform. That's why Adam HaRishon, the first man, he called all animals and all things in creation. And by doing so, he identified their essence. The the Midrash tells us that every person has various names. In fact, there are four names that are listed. The one that God gives him, God gives a person a name. The one that the parents name the person, which is usually the most common and most referred to of the four. The one that he is called by his friends, that is the third name. And the fourth name, above all, actually, one can argue, is the one that he earns by himself. Unbelievable. So the Midrash is telling us that everybody is is given a variety of talents and skills. Some are given to us directly from heaven. You happen to be an amazing chess player. Uh, Some of them are the result of uh, heredity or environment. So that could be, you know, the fact that you are um, very very athletic could be because your parents are very athletic or you went to an athletic uh, school, which, which trained you. And last but most significant are the ones that are earned by developing and actualizing your potential. That's the name that you earn by yourself or through yourself. The Zohar actually uh, hints to this when the angel called out to Abraham Avinu at the time of the Akedah. He called Abraham Abraham. At the end of the Akedah, he wanted to say Abraham lemala ve Avraham lemata. Avraham above and Abraham below. Because at that point, after Abraham Avinu passed the test of the Akedah, Abraham's heavenly name, which reflected his true potential, was realized and matched by the actual Abraham here on earth. Our talents and our abilities are the source of our true potential. But if they're not developed, if they're not exercised, then they remain insignificant. And therefore the development of this entire world depends on the realization of every single human being alachat kama vekama every Jew's individual potential. So therefore the Midrash tells us that the geulah is alluded to in the names of the shevatim because they contain the potential for bringing the world to its goal, which is the ultimate redemption. The Gemaran masechet pesachim goes in depth to discuss the final days or the final moments of Yaakov's life. And he says that Yaakov Avinu wanted to reveal the, the ketz. The, he wanted to reveal when Mashiach was going to come, the deadline for when the redemption would happen. He wanted to reveal this to his children who are the Shevatim, But all of a sudden, he suddenly forgot it, and it was hidden. It, uh, why did he forget Because it was hidden from him. When he saw the ability that to reveal that Moment that Ketz, which was ultimately concealed from him, what did he think? He feared that it was because he, his children contained imperfections. Maybe one of his children were not perfect. When they, when the children found this out, all of a sudden they declared in unison, Shema Israel, Hashem Eloheinu, Hashem Echad. Here, us, Israel, Israel hears in reference to Yaakov, our father, we are united. We are echad in our devotion to Hashem. So what did Yaakov respond? Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto Le'olam Va'ed. Blessed is the name of the glory of God's kingdom forever and ever. At that point, the Gemara stops and asks a Ibaya question, which is a a dilemma. The the question is, should the Pasuk Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto Le'olam Va'ed be recited as part of Shema Yisrael or not? On the one hand, Moshe Rabbeinu was not commanded to transcribe this part as a Torah's presentation of the Shema. It's just Shema Yisrael There's no Baruch and Kebol On the other hand, Yaakov himself said it. So that's why the Gemara concludes that we do say that Pasuk in Shema, but we say it in a whisper. How can we explain this Gemara based on how we just you know, elaborated on this concept of realizing our potential. Initially, Yaakov Avinu thought that the kits, the final deadline for the Geula, was being suppressed because of deficiencies in his children. But once he heard that they declared their faith, Shema Yisrael HaShem Elokein HaShem Echad, he realized immediately that it was in fact the exact opposite. Being that they, they have perfected their abilities. They due to their potential perfection that they had, the Geulah doesn't have to wait to the kids It doesn't have to wait to that last moment, that deadline. It could be brought sooner when they realize their potential. So the kids the deadline was concealed from Yaakov in order not to hinder the free choice that we are given uh, to help bring Mashiach sooner. Um and and to, to give a prophetic announcement of when the Mashiach is going to come, that actually impedes on the free choice. So Yaakov Avinu observed, he clearly saw the perfection inherent in his children. There was no chet, there's no letter chet in, in, in any of the uh, in any the Shabbatim. There's no deficiency. There was nothing lacking in them. There was no need, therefore, for Mashiach to, to linger, to tarry until the ketz. Why so? If they perfected their potential, Mashiach could come before the ketz. Mashiach can come before the deadline. So Yaakov Avinu wished to reveal the ketz to his children, but after realizing the potential that they had, he chose to impart to them an amazing lesson, an idea that they had to remember. You have the ability to bring the Mashiach sooner, and therefore that ketz would be obsolete. How do I do so? By realizing your potential. The greatest blessing that a person can bestow upon another is to enlighten him and acquaint him with himself. The, the Mishnah Masechet Avot says in Perkei Avot that man is precious because he is created in God's image. And even more so, he is even more having been informed that he was created in God's image. Because now that man knows that he's created in God's image, that self-knowledge of one's abilities of one's talents, of one's capabilities, and as well knowing of his own shortcomings and limitations, and we all have shortcomings and limitations, that's the greatest blessing that we have. That's the means that enables us to realize our divine mission in this world. Yaakov Avinu realized that the ultimate geulah depended upon the development of his son's potential which was inherent in their names. So rather than reveal the dead, the date of the deadline for the Geulah, what did he opt to do instead? To bless them with self-knowledge. That, and that self-knowledge would help them bring the redemption at a much earlier date. And that's why Yaakov Avinu responded with the Pasuk, Baruch Shem Kevod Machuto Leolam Vaed. Baruch Shem Kevol Machuto the honor of God's kingship that is inherent in the final geulah that is enhanced and intensified is based on the Shem it's based on the name on the full measure of potential that we are able to achieve that we are able to actualize and therefore that's why the ketz was concealed in order to allow for free choice like we can bring it sooner on a much higher level. Baruch Shem Yaakov instructed his children on their ability to change that deadline. And that's why Moshe Rabenu couldn't include that pasuk in the Torah, because it's impossible. The Torah speaks in absolute terms. The, the Torah speaks of the ultimate deadline, not of the potential changes dependent on our free choice. The Gemara compares this to a princess uh, who craved some delicious food, the aroma was 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 driving her crazy. So now the problem is that there's a set time to eat in the palace. Among the monarchs, dinner is at six thirty. But this, the princess is she's drooling. She wants to try this food. She wants to taste the meal before the time. Now, what does she do? To openly request from her servant to bring the food. That's disrespect. That's disrespectful to her father, to the king. It's improper. You're supposed to eat at 6.30. You can't, uh, just because you're a princess, you're going to go against your father's wishes. But to forego it and not get served early is uncomfortable to her. So what did she do? She quietly intimated her worthiness of being served early. Because after all, she's the princess. She convinced the maidservant that she deserves to be eat early and had it brought to her in private. So same idea here. That's a nimshal. The nimshal is is that there's a set time for the geula. Whenever that day is. Now, to to, uh, uh, vocally uh, demand that Hashem uh, provide us the geula now, early, it's not proper. But if we can quietly remind ourselves that we are the king's daughter, if we can show Hashem that we are worthy, of an early Geulah, that we are worthy of that designation, then we can bring the world to that state of perfection much sooner. And that's why on Yom Kippur, when our perfect essence is clearly more evident, that's why we say Baruch Shem Kevol machutol Le'olam out loud. No longer is it a whisper. It's something that we do out loud. This is the connection between the personal redemption, which each individual Jew and the realization of each potential, each person's potential and talents and capabilities um, to be realized. That's a connection between all of that and the ultimate redemption, the ultimate Ge'ulah. Each one of us listening here tonight, live or again on the recording, each one of us is blessed with various unique talents and abilities, gifts that are bestowed upon us by our Kedos Baruch Hu, with the express intention that they be utilized for the purpose of serving God, for the furtherance of Torah and Klal Yisrael. The Gemara tells us, Masechet Yoma, we learned it not long ago in Daf Yomi, that the Neshama, prior to a person's death, the Neshama emits a scream that is heard from one end of the world to the other end of the world. A Rav Chaim Ivalaj Zecher explains that before a person passes away, HaKadosh Baruch Hu shows him a picture of what he could have been in his life, on what this person could have developed, on what this person could have realized in this world, the potential that he had, and he contrasts it with what the person actually achieved. And when the neshama sees what I could have been, then it begins to scream. It's a very scary thought. Why is that scream described as going from one end of the world to the other end? Why is it just not described as from the beginning of the world to the end of the world? It says one end of the world to the other end. Interesting, beautiful explanation by Rabbi Lef. There's a machloket in the Gemara between Rav and Shmuel, two of the foremost Amoraim, and Megillah, in the, in the discussion uh, in the first pasuk of the Megillat Esther, which describes Achashverosh's monarchy over 127 countries, Mehodu adkus. Hodu, in modern day Hebrew, is India and Kush is modern-day Ethiopia. But I'm not sure, and I'm not quite convinced that that those are the same countries way back then. But nevertheless, the argument between Rav and Shmuel is whether or not Hodu and Kush were at opposite ends of the world or they were right next to each other. So the Gaon Mivilna explained that both are true. Any two points on the globe that are close to each other when traveling eastward are at, are at opposite ends of the world when traveling westward. So they could be right next to each other. But if, every per- if the person here goes one way and the person here goes the other way, then they're exactly at the opposite end of the world. Therefore, if one point on the globe is seen as only a point, then it's insignificant. But if it's seen as the beginning to a far-off end, then it encompasses the entire world. Therefore, our talents and our capabilities are points- of potential. But if they remain an end in, them, in themselves, they are insignificant points. The neshama, is, that's what the neshama is crying for. It's crying for the unrealized potential, the ability to uh, to traverse entire worlds. But unfortunately, it just remained a point. And it's by the struggles that a person goes through daily in his life that he comes to that realization of one's potential and therefore the ultimate Redemption. He brings another beautiful example to emphasize the point. Imagine you have a five-year-old child who kept interrupting his father, who was trying to relax, read a magazine on the sofa. In order to keep him occupied, uh, so he can read in peace, the father pulls out a magazine. And on the magazine was a, a, a picture of a map of the world. And he tore it into pieces, a whole bunch of pieces. And gave it to his son, to his child to reassemble. And he figured five-year-old son didn't know how the map appeared, doesn't know what the map looks like. He's gonna have to match the contours of the torn edges. It's gonna take him hours. He go, This is perfect. Now I can sit, read, and relax. 15 minutes later, the child comes back and he says, Dad, I completed the puzzle. The father was shocked. He was astounded when he looks down and he sees a perfect picture of the map that he just tore up a few moments ago. It was there arranged beautifully on the glass coffee table. And he went and he asked his son, son, how did you assemble or reassemble this map so quickly without knowing what the picture looked like? You know, you do a puzzle, you always have the box in front of you, right? The professionals try to do it without looking at the picture. But you try, he goes, you don't even know what the map looks like. How are you able to put this together? And the child looks at the dad and says, dad, it was simple. On the other side of the picture was a picture of a man. I put the man together. And the world just fell right into place. And therefore, the nimshal is the perfection of each individual. It is the perfection of each individual that results in the perfection of the world. When you put the man together, and the whole world comes together. We spoke about earlier the significance of this Beracha, of the personal Geula, being connected to the the, the seventh blessing in Amidah, that the final Shemitah cycle preceding the coming of Mashiach will culminate with wars in the seventh year, the Shemitah year, and at the end of the Shemitah Mashiach will come. Um, the Gemara also explains that although Mashiach will not actually come until the 8th year, the war themselves are said to be the beginning of the Geula. That's why the Beracha of personal Geulah is not the 8th Beracha of the Amidah, which would correspond to the ultimate redemption, but it's the 7th Beracha, corresponding to the wars that precede the Mashiach, which also symbolize the ongoing struggle, the beginning of the redemptions, And that is the most significant part. Um, In the society that we live today, in which I guess technology enables us to deal effortlessly with many of life's difficulties, one encounters the issue of the value of challenges. How am I supposed to perceive a challenge, an obstacle? Is it my goal that I should avoid them at all costs? Should I always take the easy road? What am I supposed to do? So what is the Torah's view on this? The Torah's view of this question lies at the center of something that actually is going to take place in this week's parasha. So it's very apropos that we're studying these amazing chidushim from Rabbi Zev given that he's talking about what's happening in this week's parasha, the count of the struggle between Yaakov and the angel Parashat Vayishlach. One Midrash says that this fight between Yaakov and the angel, the angel who confronted Yaakov was Esav's archangel archangel, and the Satan himself. And he came to obstruct, he came to deter Yaakov from his journey. Yet there's another Midrash that says this angel was not Esav's angel. It was the angel Mikael, who was... um so to speak, the representative of Yaakov um, and the Jewish people. To make matters worse and even more complex, the Rashbam says that Yaakov's intention was to run away from Esav. And Michael, the angel, came to restrain him in order to demonstrate to Yaakov that the promise Hashem gave him would be fulfilled. But you can't run away. So now what is it? Is it Esav's angel, or is it Mikhail? So you have to understand what the Torah's view of challenges. Mesilat Yisharim describes life as just one one big struggle. Hashem put the Neshama into a physical body in order to earn Olam through the efforts and our ability to overcome the yetzara It's that struggle which elevates us into the higher realms so that we're able to reach the ultimate goal of olamaba Upon his return to Eretz Israel, Yaakov Avinu wanted to live in peace. We're going to learn about, we're going to study this, not in this coming parasha, but the one after, Parashat Yeshiv. He had enough adversity in his life. He had to run away from Esav. He lived in the house of Laban for 20 years. He had the tragedy of Dina being violated and raped, which is also taking place in this week's parasha. He had the death of, his most beloved wife, Rachel, in this week's parasha. And now he returned to Eretz Yisrael and he just wanted to live his life in tranquillity. He wanted to retire. That's it. And then Yosef was taken away. And the Midrash explains that God asked, is it enough that the tzaddikim will receive good in the next world? They also want good and relaxation and tranquility in this world too? What is this Midrash telling us? The Midrash is conveying... A statement of fact. There can never, ever be enough olam haba awaiting for a person. And therefore a person must always work to increase his share in olam haba. That doesn't mean that I have to look for opportunities that bring me trouble. That doesn't mean that I look for opportunities to test myself so I can defeat the Yetzir Hara. If a person is fortunate enough that he doesn't experience troubles... Then he must attribute his challenges internally through striving for Torah and mitzvot. Thankfully, I don't have any struggles, so I got to work, I got to gain my olam haba in a different way through my gemilut chasadim, my kindness, my study of Torah. The struggle between Yaakov and the angel has far-reaching significance for us today. Avot Siman The Midrash tells us that the dust that was kicked up in the struggle, reached to Kiseh the throne of glory. That dust represents the impression, the struggle, left for future generations of Yaakov's descendants. During the struggle, we see that the angel took on different guises. It said that first he appeared as a Tamid Chacham. And another opinion says he appeared as a robber. Sometimes a person wants to elevate himself to improve, but something stands in his way. That's the satan. That's the robber who seeks to deny a person reaching that that status. It challenges him, causes him to think twice, should I do it, should I not? But at the same time, it makes a person appreciate his accomplishments even more. On the other hand, there's the angel who tries to pull up a person When the person wants to stay put, I'm happy where I am right now. Or I'm going to try running away. That's Michael, the Tamit Chacham. Yaakov wanted to avoid problems. He wanted to live in peace. But Michael forced the struggle on him in order to elevate him higher. At the end of the night, what does the angel do? The angel asks to be set free. But Yaakov didn't want to let him go. At the beginning of the night, he wanted to avoid the confrontation. But at the end, that's not what's happening. It's the exact opposite. He realized that the struggle was essential to his existence and thereby the existence of the rest of his descendants for future generations. Why did the angel want to go? He wanted to sing Tashem. To his time to sing came only in the morning. Says a Desler, Racha. When an angel fulfills his purpose, that is the song that he sings. The angel, whether being the Satan, Esav's angel, or Michael, is there to give us a chance to fight and to succeed. And when we do succeed, then the angel too has fulfilled his mission. That's why the angel didn't tell Yaakov what his name was. Angels' names change according to the mission that they're sent upon. So this particular struggle of Ya'akov represents all the future struggles that we here in Tafshin, Pebet. 5782 2021, and for future generations and those before us, represents the struggles that we will have to face throughout history. Each man's struggles is different according to his unique personality, his unique nature, and the way that he was born. What's easy for me to overcome is difficult for you to overcome. Every person has a different Satan, every person has a different Yetzirah, every person has a different Michael to fight with. And that's why the angel can't give a name. The Mesidat Yisharim famously expands on this idea that a wise man once remarked to his soldiers returning from war that they were returning for a more serious battle. The battle of life. What does the battle of life consist of? It consists of the inner conflict between good and evil. And that's a battle that they have to face every single day of their lives. It's an adversary that is much more dangerous, is much more powerful than anything physical. Where does a person get the strength to, to fight these battles, these inner battles, these spiritual battles? Both Hashem and Israel possess the quality of being alone. Israel is, is the u- unique ones among the nations, and Hashem is, of course, Yachidum Yuchad Echad. No outside power has an effect on God. Nothing adds or subtracts to his essence. A Jew, at the same time, to a certain degree, uh, has the power to emulate Hashem in that respect. If a person knows who he is, then nothing from the outside, no problem, no challenge, can deter him. He recognizes that everything else that is standing in his way can be overcome. And so he remains strong, because it's in his being. It's a koach that he's born with. He slows down. Sometimes he stumbles, sometimes he even falls, but he perseveres, he gets back up, he moves on. What's that inner strength? What's the essence of the Jew? It's the Torah, the Torah and the mitzvot. Yaakov, of course, personifies the Torah. Yaakov is the pillar of Torah. He represents the strength, the character that the Torah builds. So in the struggle with the angel, Yaakov was wounded in the thigh. The the Midrash tells us that the angel wanted to know Because he couldn't understand how Yaakov could keep the fight up for so long, so he thought maybe Yaakov's an angel. The difference between angels and humans is that an angel doesn't have a hip joint, and therefore the angel cannot sit. An angel's always ready for action, never becomes depressed, never becomes overwhelmed. A human being does cannot retain that. After being struck over and over and over again, he can be overwhelmed by a situation. He can give up. He can call it quits. Waved a white flag. He can sit down in defeat. I lost. So the angel hit Yaakov in the hip joint and saw that he was a man. Yaakov was wounded. There was a sense of failure. But it didn't affect him to the point where he was depressed and he gave up. He knew who he was. He knew what he was. He knew what his his capabilities were. He knew his talents. He was able to overcome and succeed. And therefore, that's how, or that's what gave him the koach to continue the struggle. Failure itself is the incentive to rise and to continue. It's the challenges and the struggles that a person experiences through life that's what gives each person the chance to turn his life around. Every negative thing that happens to us can be twisted to a more positive way. The Mikhtab Maliyah again Reveliaud Deser, has a beautiful hidush. He writes that if you switch around the letters of ra, resh and ayin which mean evil, you get the le- you get the word er, ayin resh er lo yanum velo yishan. Er means awaken. Evil exists for the purpose to awaken man, to awaken a person. Setbacks Obstacles in a person's life are not there to immobilize him. It's the exact opposite. But rather to offer a challenge, something to fight against, so he can get right back up, strengthen himself, and earn, yes, a reward, a bigger reward. So once Yaakov was able to distinguish between the peripheral and the essential, then no longer is he Yaakov anymore. Now he becomes Israel. Now the angel changes his name and says, now you're Yisrael. Why? Because the name Yisrael signifies something much deeper. It signifies that he's now worthy to receive the Berachah. The name Yisrael represents man's struggle. Like the Pasuk says, you fought with the angel and you won. That struggle is the essence of the name Yisrael. That's the greatness of Kal Yisrael. We deserve that beracha because we have the strength of character that is derived from the Torah to be able to struggle when we are wounded. Yaakov's name was changed, but not completely. We still refer to Yaakov as Yaakov. You know why? Because the struggle goes on. At times we will be Israel. At times we will win. But sometimes we will go back to Yaakov. Life has ups and downs if we realize that we have the potential of being Israel, when we are Yaakov facing the setbacks facing the disappointments facing the challenges of life we may be slowed down but we won't give up in the end what happens the angel leaves Yaakov is still wounded but he doesn't sit down and bemoan the fact he limps away. Once he shows that he can persevere, Hashem now takes out the sun, and heals him. That's the indication of the future healing. When Hashem is going to take out the sun, bring all the tzadikim, the final healing in Olama and it's going to be only then when they will reach their highest level of perfection. Unbelievable Hidushim here. And we haven't even begun... To look at the Beracha yet. But it's important for us to know every time we get to this Beracha of Ge'ulah, to look at it more in the microcosm. Not only, of course, is it the ultimate Ge'ulah, but we need to ask Hashem in this Beracha to redeem us personally, to give us the inner strength, the Koach through Torah, the Koach through Mitzvah, to overcome those challenges that are given to us. That Those challenges will make us better. Those are the times where we're able to persevere where, through resilience and move forward. And by doing so, we become better individuals. We become champions. We can even defeat an angel. That's what makes us Am Yisrael, the children B'nai Yisrael, the children of Yaakov who became Israel. Ki sarita melokim Hashem, we will get, we will, acquire that strength, we will utilize that strength, we will fall, yes we will, that is part of life, we are still Yaakov, but we will get up and we will continue to push forward. Please join me next time as we look at the actual text of the Beracha in part two of the seventh Beracha of the Amidah, the Beracha of Geula, wishing everyone a wonderful night.